الحمد لله وكفى وسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم كل نفس ذائقة الموت وإنما توفون أجوركم يوم القيامة فمن زحزح عن النار وأدخل الجنة فقد فاز سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم depending on your line of work oftentimes employers sometimes private companies offer what's called disability insurance and the way disability insurance works is that a group of people collectively put in money into a fund, into a company. And the promise is that if that person becomes disabled, such that they're no longer able to perform their function at work, then a pool of that pool of money, or part of that pool of money, then is given to that person. So sometimes, for instance, if an employer might have disability insurance, and the way it works is that all the employees are signed up for disability insurance. They can elect to or they can opt in, opt out. But let's say everybody opts into the, the disability insurance. And then a person becomes disabled. They're 43 years old. They were otherwise healthy. They get into a bad uh, you know, motor vehicle accident. They injure their spinal cord. And they can no longer work. They can no longer perform that particular function. So if they're an engineer, if, they are, um, if they're a physician, if they're a teacher, and they can no longer function, especially if cognitive function is involved. So if that's the case, then, that per then the, the company will give that person every month 80% of their salary, and they don't have to go to work. 80% of your salary, and you continue to uh, make that until essentially your retirement, or depending on what the clause states. But the purpose of that fund, the purpose of this insurance policy, is because there's, there's possibility that you could become injured, and the ability for you to continue to have a source of income, uh, that, that, that's at risk. That's at risk. If a person doesn't have disability insurance, at least this is what the pitch is, if you don't have disability insurance and something were to happen to you, well then how are you going to make money? How are you going to earn a living? How are you going to survive? How are you going to support your family with, with nothing coming in? So this is how the pitch is made, that you have, to have, you, have to, you have to subscribe to this policy because in the event that something were to happen to you, in the possibility that something were to happen to you, you need to continue to have a source of, of, of wealth or of income coming in. Now, interestingly, the believer all believers will eventually become disabled. All believers will eventually become disabled. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promises us in the Quran. Not that he needed to promise us, but he did. He said, Kullu nafsin maut, that every single soul shall taste death. Every single soul shall taste death. And not a single human being will ever be able to escape this truth. What happens when a believer passes away is that their ability to continue to earn deeds in this world is then cut off. Is then cut off. Like an employee who's working and working and working, for as long as they're working, they are earning an income. But the moment they stop working, whether it's for disability or whether it's some other cause, 
then their income source is now cut off. The believer has until the time their soul is taken away, until they're provided with this disability to earn as many deeds as they can. Once we become disabled, in the sense that our soul separates from our body, that's the disability. Once our soul separates from our body, we are no longer able to work as believers. Our opportunity to perform deeds, our opportunity to earn Allah Ta'ala's attention, to earn His love, etc., it's cut off. So then the question is, well, what is a person to do? What is a person to do? Is there a disability insurance for the believer? Is there something that a believer can do that if that were to happen, and it isn't a question of if, because it's certainty. So rather than saying if it were to happen, which is the case with disability insurance, when death is to come to us, well, how is it that I can still continue to have a source of income? How can I continue to accrue righteous deeds? And the answer lies in a lengthy hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. When he says, إِنَّ مِمَّا يَلْحَقُ الْمُؤْمِنُ مِنْ عَمَلِهِ وَأَعْمَالِهِ عِلْمًا عَلِمَهُ وَنَشَرَهُ No, إِنَّ يَلْحَقُ, إن يلحق الْمُؤْمِنُ مِنْ عَمَلِهِ وَأَعْمَالِهِ بَعْدَ مَوْتِهِ عِلْمًا عَلِمَهُ وَنَشَرَهُ that the believer, once they pass away, the, there are a few things that that believer will continue to receive after they pass away. And the Prophet ﷺ highlights seven things. That even after the believer passes away, they continue to receive the reward or the benefit from seven things. Even though they're no longer able to perform their function, their responsibility, their occupation, which was to believe in Allah and guide people toward Allah, that's now been cut off. But there are a few things the Prophet ﷺ mentions that even after the believer passes away, they continue to accrue that benefit. And those things are, the first one, the Prophet ﷺ says, عِلْمًا عَلِمَهُ وَنَشَرَهُ The first thing that will continue to benefit us, even after we pass away, is knowledge that we gain and that we spread to others. The first thing that will continue to benefit us after we pass away is knowledge that we gain and we continue to spread to others. When an individual gains knowledge, that knowledge is then distributed and disseminated across the community and then the entire community then benefits. And everything that anyone does with that knowledge to become closer to Allah or to please Allah or to serve Allah or to serve the creation of Allah, everything that that person does going forward, that then comes into the individual's account. That then comes into the individual's account. And the basis of this is a statement of the Prophet ﷺ when he says, مَن عَلَىٰ خَيْرٍ فَلَهُ مِثْلُ أَجْرِ فَاعِلِهِ That a person who guides toward good or encourages someone toward good or doing something good, then that person gets the exact same reward. So for instance, there was a brother who was standing after four rak'ah and he was encouraging people to give the funds for this project. It's a noble cause. Now, let's say that 20 people gave money because they heard his appeal. Now, all of the reward that those 20 people get collectively, that will then go into his account. That will collectively go into his account because he encouraged people toward doing something that was right. This is why Abu Bakr anhu had such a high maqam in deen because he invited so many people to deen and he encouraged so many people toward good that everything that went into their account, everything that they went into their account collectively went into his account as well. 
These are the accounts of Ali radiallahu anhu and Umar radiallahu anhu and all of these great Sahaba, the efforts that they put in, their reward went into the account of Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. So, ilman alimahu wa nasharahu, that knowledge is the first category, that if a person invests in knowledge, they learn it themselves or they propagate it, and then they cause it to be disseminated within the community, then anyone that acts upon that knowledge until that ceases, that person who distributed it initially is continuing to receive the reward. The reward. And the way you can think about it is that once someone asked my teacher, how is it possible that a person can receive the exact same reward as, so there's 10 people that have acted on knowledge that, let's say, I've disseminated. How is it that I can get all of their reward as well without it, in any, without it decreasing their, their reward? So the simple example was that if someone, for instance, were to, uh, nowadays it's very easy to understand, right? If you have a file, you can easily transfer it over to a USB drive or a jump drive, and it takes a second, and everything is copied. Everything is copied into our accounts as well. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not that he needs a USB drive or a jump drive or a hard drive. He's able to calculate things so precisely. So, ilman animahu wa nasharahu. This is the first thing. Now, some would say that, well, you know, I don't actually have knowledge. How do I distribute knowledge? How do I disseminate knowledge when I'm not properly trained myself? Well, the first thing to remember is that we should all seek to acquire knowledge. We should all seek to acquire knowledge of deen. There isn't an excuse for anyone in this gathering to make that I, I'm not able to, I, that I don't, that I'm not able to disseminate deen. The Prophet said in the hadith, that the seeking of knowledge, sacred knowledge, traditional knowledge, is a faridah ala kulli muslimin. It's a requirement upon every single believer. So that's the first thing, is that if our, if our complaint is that I don't have knowledge, we'll seek knowledge. There's plenty of opportunities within our communities in which we can seek knowledge. The second is that even if whatever little knowledge we have, that we share that with the people that, 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 that we surround. For instance, our children, for instance, our families, or anyone from the community. The Prophet said another hadith, Distribute or share from me or tell from me or communicate from me even if it's just a single verse, even if it's just you know, a small portion of deen, distribute it, disseminate it. So every single person is qualified. There is no such thing as I'm not qualified. There is some degree of ilm that everyone has that can be disseminated and that can be distributed. So the first thing that will, fall, that will come with us into our grave and it will continue to benefit us even after we pass away and inshallah until the day of judgment is knowledge that we gained and then we distributed amongst the community. The second thing, عِلْمًا عَلِمَهُ وَنَشَرَهُ وَوَلَدًا صَالِحًا تَرَكَهُ the second thing the Prophet mentions is a righteous child that he or she leaves behind. A righteous child that he or she leaves behind will continue to benefit us after we pass away. That child will become the source of income when we have no other source of income. The child will become our source of deeds and we have no other source of deeds. Now, children are easy to guide because they're very moldable, they're malleable, they're, they're very impressionable. And, it's, and, and the opportunity we have to raise them and train them according to deen, in accordance with pleasing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we have this more with our children than we have with anything else. And if we make an effort, and we put in our, and if we put in an effort to make them children of piety, taqwa, people, children that fear Allah subhanahu wa taala, children that uh, that that uh, that serve Allah subhanahu wa taala, then it'll be a benefit for us until we pass away, and, and even after we pass away. 
So it's an opportunity often also for us to do what we weren't able to do for ourselves. You know, many people, they travel across the world or they send their children across the world to go to medical school, for instance. Why? It's often the case that they themselves didn't have the opportunity to get an education or they themselves didn't have an opportunity to become a particular, in, a, in a particular profession. So what happens? They then encourage and sometimes coerce their children into pursuing that profession as well. Why? Because they're sort of living their own, they're, they're, they're sort of living their own dream. I wasn't able to do it, so I really want you to do it, and I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to create all the circumstances. You don't have to worry about money. You don't have to worry about food. You don't have to worry about the dorms. I'll take care of everything. I just need you to become this. Why? Because I need to fulfill this desire of mine that I wasn't able to fulfill my, on my own. I didn't have this opportunity. So we, we make this sacrifice when it comes to our children, when it comes to their professional lives. We should also think about this from a dini standpoint as well. You know, some of us didn't have the opportunity to become a hafid of the Qur'an, for instance. That opportunity wasn't there. Maybe we were from communities in which there were teachers not available, or even simply learning how to read the Qur'an properly. Well, our children then become our investment. That if we can encourage them and facilitate education for them when it comes to Qur'an, when it comes to hadith, etc., then inshallah that'll be a continuing reward for us as well. You know, if we weren't able to study deen, advanced studies of deen, you know, many of us didn't have the opportunity. Our communities were very... Um, were, were elementary, you know, 15, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, perhaps when we were, when we were youth ourselves. We didn't have ulama, we didn't have scholars. Maybe we were in, uh, in situations like the brother was mentioning where we didn't have, uh, the, in general, just education wasn't available to us. Well, our children can now pursue it. There's plenty of opportunities and we should encourage our children to do it. Because if our children become righteous, if our children become righteous, then they will pray for us as well. They will pray for us as well. I can tell you that the vast majority, when people pass away, and this is from experience, and everyone can relate to this, when the person passes away, for the first few weeks, everyone's making dua, the entire community is making dua, they're having Qur'an, you know, khatmul uh, Qur'ans and things of that nature, and then for the next couple of months, the rest of the extended family is making dua, but about a year or two later, everyone's forgotten about that person. Everyone will forget about us. When we pass away, give it a year, give it two years. People won't even remember us. On rare occasions, they'll be reminded of us. But that's it. The only people that will actually continue to pray for us will be our children. So if we raise our children to be righteous, right? Um, uh, that we leave behind a righteous child and they'll make dua for us when the rest of the world will have forgotten us, they'll still be here making dua for us. And hopefully then they'll ask their children to make dua for their grandparents. And they'll ask their children to make dua for your great-grandparents. They were very special people. Make dua for them. So that's the second thing. And then the third thing the Prophet mentions is Mus'hafan warrathahu is a mus'haf, which is the physical Qur'an, the text of the Qur'an, that a person uh, bequeathed or left behind as an inheritance. Now, what would happen in the early days was that a person would handwrite their own Qur'an, and it would be uh, like their copy. And at the time of inheritance, it would then be passed on to someone else, and then that person would benefit from the Qur'an. Now, we don't have this concept per se today, but we can apply this principle into our own lives as well. We could become people that distribute the Qur'an in general and pass the Qur'an down to the next generation. Now that could be in the form of sponsoring Qur'ans. Let's say a new masjid is being built, like this masjid, and the masjid is growing and more people are coming. Well then we should be jumping on the opportunity that we should, play, we should be the ones that sponsor the Qur'ans for this masjid because we want people to read this Qur'an until the Day of Judgment. 
you know, you, sometimes if you go into the haramain, you have the you have the opportunity. They have mushafs that they sell outside and they stamp it and they'll say, you know, waqf lil haramain, that it has to remain in the masjid. Now, if you purchase that Quran and they place it in the masjid, now anyone that reads that Quran, because you're the one that paid for it and sponsored it, that reward will continue. And that, you know, it, it, people are reading Quran in the masjid. They're coming with such strong, deep desires. And these are the people that are reading Quran. Some of them are awliya of Allah. Imagine how accepted their recitation must be. And the reward is coming into our account. Now, maybe we don't have that opportunity. We can certainly invest in Qur'an schools. If we can't contribute to printed Qur'ans, well, we can certainly contribute to the development of human Qur'ans. The Hafidh has the Qur'an in their heart. So if there's a program where students are memorizing Qur'an, then we should sponsor these schools. We should encourage its development, and we should, we should, we should contribute toward them. So the first thing we mentioned was عِلْمًا عَلِمَهُ وَنَشَرَهُ Knowledge that is sought and then distributed. Number two is a waladan salihan tarakahu. Third is aw mushafan warrathahu. The fourth is aw masjidan banahu. The Prophet is saying, or a person can build a masjid. Build a masjid. Now, what happens when a person builds a masjid? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Man bana masjidan lillahi bana lahu lahu baytan fil jannah. That if a person builds for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala a masjid in this world, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will build him a home in Jannah. Or whoever builds a house for Allah in this world, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala builds a house for him in Jannah. Now, for as long as that masjid is used, the traditional concept of a masjid, or the concept according to the fuqaha of a masjid, is that when a group of people decide to build a masjid, or to construct a masjid, that masjid is now a waqf, and that masjid remains until the Day of Judgment. The masjid remains as sacred space until the day of judgment. So what's intended is that from 2017 onward, until the day of judgment is to come, that this space, inshallah, will be a place where people will come and pray. Now that could be thousands of years long. That could be thousands of worshippers for thousands of years long. And all of their worship goes into your account. Incredible. Incredible that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has the ability to calculate that reward and strategically place it into each individual donor's account. And amazing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created such an easy opportunity for us. You know, when we have an contributed toward without even thinking about it. Without even thinking about it. So, aw masjidan banahu. The next thing is, aw baytan li ibn sabili banahu. So, we're on number five. The fifth thing that will continue to benefit a person even after they pass away, they'll continue to receive reward and deeds is that they build a um, uh, they build a space or a home for travelers a physical space or home for travelers now traditionally what would happen uh, would be that people that would travel from one town to another town it would take several days several weeks and so they needed a place to lodge and a, need, a new place to stay kind of a lodging facility a bed and breakfast type thing i don't know if there's breakfast but there was a bed so th this was sort of the setup that was there and so anyone, any traveler that benefited from that, specifically from this hadith, the, the, a person would get their, that reward for, for whatever they were doing. So maybe this doesn't apply to us. You know, it's, it'd be hard for us to open up like a rest area, I think. It has to be, probably go through the system and all. But uh, certainly we can host people in our homes and make our homes temporary lodges as well. There are many people that travel frequently. They come and visit communities. There are people that are traveling from out of town for the for the Atikaf program here, and we open up our homes for these individuals. Why? Because inshallah, we'll, we will receive the reward for this, you know, for for as long as we can. Or maybe we have a home, and then we dedicate that, for instance, to a Quran school after we pass away. And if that home then becomes a place where students are coming and they're living and they're staying and they're benefiting, then inshallah, we'll receive this reward as well. 
in general, we should open up our home for people that are traveling as best as we can, whether it be a meal, whether it be overnight stay, because traveling is very difficult. And this isn't just from our own experience. The Prophet actually said this in a hadith. He said, that traveling is, is a piece of adab, it's a piece of punishment. It prevents a person from their sleep. Right? When you're traveling, you, 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 can't, you don't sleep properly. Try to sleep. It doesn't matter if you have a, you know, a, a, a six-star Ritz-Carlton and the bed has you know, 36 different numbers to adjust it to. It's still not comfortable. You still feel uncomfortable. You can't sleep unless it's your own bed. There's no, there's no place like home. Right? And your food, you know, no matter what you do, no matter what, uh, what, what uh, high-class restaurants you eat in, no matter what, your stomach still feels upset afterward when you're traveling. I mean, inevitably it happens. Especially people that travel for work, right? They complain after a few years. It's like, I can't do this anymore. Four days a week, I'm gone. I'm out of the house. Your food is thrown off. Your sleep is thrown off. And he said, well, your, your drink is thrown off. The Prophet was saying this 1,400 years ago. We can all relate to this today. That traveling is, is difficult, especially as you get older, you begin to notice, like, Man, I'd, I'd rather just be at home. So, so the Prophet I'm saying, so traveling is difficult and we should facilitate things for travelers as best as we can. The sixth thing that will continue to benefit us after we pass away is a river that we uh, establish, a river that we establish. So what would happen naturally in, in, in before the current before the current system and, and, and the irrigation system that we have today. But if a, if a community needed water, they would literally have to dig a tunnel manually and facilitate water to, for it to reach a particular town or a village. So, and all of the water, all of the people that would benefit from that water, that reward would then go into the account of the person that actually established it. So, uh, again, we probably don't have the opportunity to do that, but we can become people that facilitate water. Facilitate the drinking of water for others. There are certain parts of the world, uh, without a doubt, that, that they don't have water. And there's often opportunities to sponsor, for instance, a well where you can, we can pay $500 and they build a well in an area that doesn't have any, wa they don't have water, they don't have clean water whatsoever. So you build a well for them, inshallah, they'll be able to consume water. And anyone that uses that well, drinks from that well, right? So be that person that goes to Costco or Sam's Club, picks up water bottles for the masjid and places it in the masjid. You're basically becoming the, the, the river for, for, for the people that are drinking water. Allah Ta'ala reward whoever did this. The river reached all the way to the member, mashallah. Okay, so, ajrahu, And then the sixth one, uh, sorry, the final one, the seventh one. So, now, again, we're talking about things that will continue to benefit us after we pass away. When we have no source of wealth, no source of income, and di we're now disabled because our body's been separated from the soul. This is our, these, these things are our insurance policy, uh, policy. This is our disability insurance when, when we need it most. And this isn't a matter of if we'll become disabled. This is a matter of when we'll become disabled. Or sadaqa, which literally, which roughly translates as any, any generous charitable donation that you make, any contribution that you make. That you remove from your wealth or that's getting from that, it will continue to benefit you until the hereafter. Sadaqa is such an easy... It, it seems so difficult because shaitan makes it so tricky. It's so difficult. We spoke about this before Dhuhr. It's so difficult to empty out your wallets or to swipe your credit card or to empty out your bank account or to contribute. It seems so difficult. But the reality is it's so easy. 
Because whatever you give, the Prophet ﷺ swore by it. He swore that whatever you give for a sadaqah, that money comes back to you. It's not like your wealth decreases. It looks like it. There's a, short, there's a dip in your bank account transiently. It's only transient. It comes right back. You look at your bank account six months later, you don't even remember that you made that donation. It just, it doesn't even, you don't, you're not even remember. From that rain of calamity is giving sadaqah. It protects us, it protects our children, it protects our families from all of these difficulties, flat tires, robberies, thefts, all of these things. We're protected from it, inshallah, by giving sadaqah. So the Prophet said, be quick to give it. This is, this is a different form of insurance. It protects you in this world. It protects you in this world and it protects you in the hereafter. So these are the seven things the Prophet mentioned. Knowledge that we seek and then we disseminate. And a righteous child that we leave behind. Or a Quran, a mushaf that we left behind as our legacy. Or a masjid that we built. Or a home for people that are traveling. Or a river that we established for a community or for a group of people. Or صدقة that is given while we're in good health. وآخر دعوانا الحمد لله رب العالمين